And you guys are awesome. Good fellowship this morning happening. We're going to be in Acts chapter 19. We're going to uh, uh, dive back in and we should be getting this finished up here. See, August and September, we should be done. So um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. The last uh, message we had in the book of Acts was chapter 18. We looked at the city of Corinth. So that would be on Paul's second missionary journey. If you look in the back of your Bible, there's usually maps. Of course, if you have the digital copy, which is fine, often they don't put the maps in there. There might be, I don't know, does the Bible app have maps in it? I don't even know. Um, it does, huh? Okay. You can Google it, yes. Okay. So if you look at Paul's missionary journeys, that's always a standard one there, and they kind of break it out as first to second and his third one. So we actually kind of get into the beginning part of the third here. But Paul will be in Corinth for a year and a half. And up to that point, he had been in like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. And he, his stays there were pretty short because he would go in and preach to the Jews. And then they'd kind of get rid of him and he'd go to the Gentiles before the city would riot. And he'd be on the next bus or boat to the next community, okay? And that happens over and over uh, again, but in, in Corinth, God gives, Jesus comes to him in a vision, a dream, and says, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be with you. It's going to be all right. And so he stays there for a year and a half, year and a half. God does a good work in Corinth, and we have First and Second Corinthians that are in a book, letters written to them. They were not by a perfect church by any means. I'm doing Corinthians in my devotional time, and they had, ooh, they had, bad sins happening in there. They had pride issues. They had issues with the gifts of the Spirit and, and things like that. But they were still a vibrant church and a growing church. So Paul will leave Corinth. And in Corinth, before he leaves there, he meets Priscilla and Aquila. Okay, And uh, for ladies in ministry, this is kind of a, a bright spot in that you see that it was Priscilla, the woman, okay, that was more the teacher and the preacher of this, this couple. They were also tent makers. That's how Paul comes across their path. They get to know each other. They're God-fears. They believe in God, and so they become partners. And they also then meet this other young man. His name was Apollos, okay? And so Apollos was very educated. He was a great speaker, and his name does come up here, and they actually would kind of meet with him, and uh, he actually would be part of Paul's ministry in other places, all right? So I need to get caught up with my notes here. So we're going to talk about, Paul then leaves Corinth, and he ends up in Ephesus. So Ephesus, uh, Chris, if you can pull up that picture of, of uh, Acts there, of that, I think it's the first one you have there. Um, but Ephesus would, is in modern-day Turkey right now, okay? Um, it, it was during the Crusades and the Arab um, pushes, you know, if you know your world history, um, they came up from North Africa and, and took over Israel. That's sometimes what the Crusades were about. They were trying to recapture that. Um, they went up into, um, so you can see where modern-day Asia, um, well, that's Asia, yeah, that's, so that's Turkey now. And you can see Ephesus is right on the coastline there. And it was just a key city uh, during biblical times, it was a port city uh, located near the Castor River. 
Um, and so they had that part of it, but it was just kind of one of the key cities for that area of Asia. People would come to Ephesus for their trading, for their business, um, and so people were coming and going. There was the portal to um, also to the Aegean Sea. So it just was a very crucial city. During Paul's time, it, they think it was maybe it was around 250,000, so the size of a Lincoln, okay? I don't know. I think that used to be what Lincoln is. Maybe it's grown. Um, it seems like it's grown. But um, a lot of different people live there, Jews, Greeks, um, a lot of different um, people that way. A lot of different religions, okay? A lot of different religions were there. But as well, will come up in our, in our text today, Artemis, okay? And if any of you know the Greek gods, uh, there's Diana, okay? She's also, by the Romans called her Diana, um, the Greeks called Artemis, okay? It was a fertility god, the goddess of the hunt, a fertility of magic, astrology. I don't know how she could be all those things, but she was, all right? Um, but it was very much, um, very strong point in Ephesus, and that was what Ephesus was known for, was this god of Artemis. Um, they, they gave their allegiance to, and so that's going to come up in our story today. And, and, and so, and it was, because it was this trade town, and people were coming and going, everything was there, every sin under the sun, okay, that you can think about, whether it was prostitution, whether it was, they probably, I don't know what they had for, probably drunkenness. Um, you, you read through Corinthians and, and Ephesus, they were similar cities. There was just a lot of things that they had to deal with. So when you look at a city like, let's go in and evangelize and share the gospel, from a human perspective, it was kind of like, would Ephesus be at your top, at the top of your list? And it's kind of like, probably, no, because, man, it just seems so heathen, it's so secular. How in the world are we going to make a difference in this city that seems to have no place for this God that they didn't know? Many of them did not know. And yet, uh, Paul will be in Ephesus two years, and he would see the gospel take, uh, take a foothold there. And I actually think it's one of the greatest revivals that we see in Scripture of a, a large city that is totally transformed by the power of God. It doesn't mean that everybody got saved, but as you will see, it was some <laughs> significantly impacted by the power of God. All right? So let's look at this together. And so my question that I kind of want to answer today is, what does it take to see a city or a community touched and transformed by the power of God? What does it take to see a city or community touched and transformed by the power of God. So let's look at this together. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is quick, it is powerful, it is able to speak into our heart, guide and direct us, Father, and we just pray that it would speak to us today, Lord. It is more than words on a page, it is the living word of God. And so come, uh, speak to us this morning, we pray. In your name we ask, amen. Verses 1 through 7, 1 through 7, Acts chapter 19. And while Apollos, okay, I just told you about him, was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, okay? So he doesn't get there by ship. And there he found some disciples and asked them, have you or did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So yes, they had received the Holy Spirit when they were saved, but they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, what we see in the book of Acts, that empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 and on, right? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, right? 
So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And so we see that during biblical times and even today, I think there is different types of baptism. And so even those that have been baptized by John were baptized later into Jesus' name, okay? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He told the people to believe, John did, in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. And there were 12 of the men in them, uh, amongst them all. And we see this not only in the, in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well, that as, people, as the Holy Spirit came upon people, often there was prophetic speech, is what my, one of my professors used to say. Sometimes it was prophecy, sometimes it was the other languages, what we call tongues in the book of Acts. They spoke in a heavenly language given to them by God to worship God. And in, sec- in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul distinguishes, he says, you know, tongues is for our personal edification to be built up to pray. And it's something that I encourage each of us to do in our, only, in our prayer time, right? In our devotional time, when you're driving to work or whatever you're doing, to be worshiping God. He says prophecy is really geared towards the church where we can edify and build each other up. But it is God speaking through us through his Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ. And so they weren't aware of that, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit as Paul places um, his hands on them. And the evidence of that was that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Now, is it in the Old Testament? Yeah, it is. So just an example of that was Saul. Saul was kind of the first king of Israel, right? And Samuel anoints him with oil, prays for him, and it says then he prophesied for a whole day. And then after that day, he never he never prophesied again, but that day that the Spirit of God came upon him, he prophesied. So there's evidence even in the Old Testament of as the Holy Spirit fills people, comes upon people, there is that prophetic speech, there is that boldness that comes with that. The first thing, what does it take for a community to be touched and transformed by the power of God? The first thing I see is that there, it takes believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that really becomes a normative in the New Testament. Paul wasn't, he goes, great. You know, it's great that you have a faith and that you were baptized in John's baptism, but you need to be baptized in Jesus' name and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I feel like the New Testament church today is seeing that as optional, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is calling all, young and old, to be filled with the Holy Spirit to me, that is the only way that we can be effective for God um, in sharing our faith, to be bold. That is not of us. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of boldness, right? It comes through him. Paul says in Ephesians, ironically, so Ephesians deals a lot with what we're talking about today. So I'm going to go back and forth between um, Acts 19 and Ephesians 5. But in Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, Paul says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Back then, same here today. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery is just behavior that spins out of drunkenness, okay? Instead, be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you get into the original language, you know that it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. It's a daily thing 
where we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, it's great. You know, we just got done with camps this summer. But I can tell you that the camp experience, so I got my teenagers back there, the camp experience, that was one a month ago or better, right? That's already worn off. And if you're relying upon that, that, is, that will not sustain you. We can have a great service on Sunday, but that's not going to sustain you through the week. We have to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says to speak one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. We did that this morning. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. That's so important. And always giving thanks to God our Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The moment we invite Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit changes and transforms us. He comes into our life. He makes us alive in Christ. But there's also that empowering presence that comes, and that's what Acts is all about, is that it talks about you will be filled or the Holy Spirit will come upon you in this way to equip us to take the gospel into all the world, right? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to live a godly life and a bold life for God. I was just reading on Facebook this morning. I, I follow a walleye fishing page, and this guy caught some nice walleyes out in Wyoming, okay? And he, he calls himself the cowboy preacher. So anyway, he just, you know, he says you can catch the full economy catching these fish or whatever. But there was somebody on there just blast them. In other words, keep your God stuff to yourself. I mean, right there. And it was kind of like that is the culture that we live in, that even sometimes to talk about our faith, it can bring a strong resistance. And if you don't have the f fullness of the Holy Spirit, just think about as Paul went from synagogue to synagogue, town to town, he faced opposition. And, and for him to keep silent, I think, was, I think there was a strong temptation saying, why do I want to speak boldly? Why do I want to tell others about Christ? They seem to reject the message that I speak. But God had filled him with his Holy Spirit and he spoke boldly. And I think he was polite, he wasn't rude, but he was still bold in his faith. And I believe that's what God needs to instill within us as well. All right? People will never know the truth about Jesus unless somebody tells them. And if we live our lives in quiet seclusion, like <laughs> we were up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and man, that's really secluded up there. It's beautiful and everything. But you could probably go up there and just be a hermit, right? Um, and if that's what God's called you to do, you know, also, you know, that's great. But if we're going to make a difference in our world, we have to live out our faith and... Um, whether it's praying for people, sharing our faith with those that don't have that hope within them. Amen? And as we read, um, we'll see that Ephesus and all of Asia was turned upside down um, by the power of God. Uh, the sick would be healed. The demon-possessed would be delivered. People with addictions and sexual sins would be set free. And ministry at this level can only happen if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so we're going to, we'll, we'll catch up with that here, some of the things that happen. So let's look at those, verses 8 through 12. So first thing, what does it take for a city or a community to be touched or transformed by the power of God? It takes believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Number 2, 8 through 12, and it says, Paul entered the synagogue, okay, same pattern that we've seen city after city, and he spoke what? Boldly, right? 
Even though he had been shut down many times, even though he had been chased out of communities, he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing and persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. They said bad things. They put bad things on Facebook. And um, they had their ways back then. And so Paul left them, and he took the disciples with them and had discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Okay? I mean, they, we don't know exactly what that was, but it was uh, probably a public place that they could have uh, meet and hold lectures. And this went on for two years that Paul would be there. So that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So if Chris was to put that map back up and to look at the geographical area of all of Asia, which is now modern-day Turkey, all of that, as people came and gone, as they came to Ephesus to do business, they would take the word of God with them. they go into these communities. They maybe weren't from Ephesus, but they went there for business. They were touched by the ministry of Paul and the, and the church there, and then they would take it back. Colossae, Colossians, we don't know who took the gospel to Colossians, but we have a book in our Bible called Colossians that Paul writes a letter to a church that is there. Somebody was touched probably through the ministry of Ephesus and took the gospel back and other towns that are there. If you go to the book of Revelation, you'll see seven churches in Asia that John is writing to, right? And one of them would be Ephesus, but there's others that are there, right? That have been touched probably through this time that Paul is in Ephesus. Um, The gospel went forth. So, um, you know, uh, did Paul know that, hey, let's go to Ephesus and this is going to be a, a huge way to reach the world? I don't know. I think he was led by the Holy Spirit. We look at Paul's strategy and people have gone back and revisited that, that it was one of the most brilliant strategies ever because he went to these significant communities like Corinth and Ephesus that were hubs for their area, whether it's for the, the ships or just inland travel, and they would get their lives touched and changed in these communities, and then they would take the gospel back to where they were at. So because of that, Paul made a huge difference for being one man in one lifetime. Um, so what does it take to see a city and community change and transform? Number two, it takes what I call marketplace evangelism. What do I mean by marketplace evangelism? Janet smiling at me. You know, what, what happens here is good, right? We worship God. We study God's word. We pray for one another. We do discovery clubs. We do youth, small groups. All that is important. But think about the ministry of Jesus. How much of it took place in a, in a religious center or building? How much of it took place there? Hardly any, right? Hardly any. There's a few times in the synagogue he did some ministry. But hardly any. Most of it happened on a hillside or on the street or by a lake, right? A lot of you would be up for that, by the lake, right? All right, yes. <laughs> by the lake. But that's where ministry happened. And I believe that that's still where ministry happens today is that God gives us, including myself, opportunities to share peop- uh, our hope with people out there. Um, in fact, if, if it doesn't happen out there, if we just rely upon what happens within our church walls, um, it's going to be very confined. And sometimes that is the biggest obstacle 
of the church getting the word out as we, we confine it to our church building. Church buildings are a great re- facility and resource. I mean, it would be hard for us to have church in January in the middle of winter, right? Right? Um, unless we were in a big home, right? Um, we need the facilities, but we also have to be the church salt and light outside the church walls. Amen? Um, and I often say that sometimes where I do a lot of ministries at Walmart, Ace Hardware, uh, Main Street, out and about, I, c- ru- I run into people um, sometimes eating at a restaurant. And you connect with people, and um, that's where ministry can happen. All right? Um, amen. I think of um, one of Jesus's, there's a couple powerful stories in the first part of the Gospel of John, John 3 and 4. So in John 3, he talks with Nicodemus. But in John chapter 4, he talks to who? Come on, help me out here. John chapter 4, who? The woman at the well, the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan, right? And so they shouldn't have gone through Sychar, but Jesus says, hey, we're going to go through Samaria. The Jewish pattern was to go around Samaria because they didn't like the Samaritans. They were half-breed, they were half-Greek, half-Jewish. I mean, um, in their religion, they were a mixed religion because of the invasions that had taken place before. And so they didn't like the Samaritans. They weren't pure. They weren't holy in their viewpoint. And so they would go around there. But Jesus says, we have to go through Samaria. So they go through Samaria. The disciples go into Sychar to get food. And he sits at the well. And a woman comes there that had been married multiple times. Wasn't married. She's with a guy. She was, you know, she was with a guy now, but she wasn't married to him. And she comes to get water. And Jesus has one of the greatest discussions. They start talking about water, right? and living water. And then all of a sudden it's about God. And, and she knew that there was one, the Messiah was coming, and Jesus begins to break it and says, hey, I am him. And then he reveals stuff about her life, and she goes, wow. And she goes back to her community, invites her whole community to come out and say, come and see the man that showed, told me all the bad things that I've done. Right? And so the city of Sychar comes out to hear Jesus And there again, another smaller community was touched by the power of God and came to know Jesus because of a conversation that happened at the water cooler at the well of that community. Great things can happen outside of church's walls as we engage people being salt and light in our world. That's what I call marketplace evangelism. In other words, sharing our gospel outside the church walls. Number three, let's look at verses 13 through 20. This is where it gets a little interesting. All right, 13 through 20. Here we go. Oh, I didn't read. Did I read up through 12, Chris? Okay, I'll I'll catch up at 11 then. Okay. So God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So even handkerchiefs and aprons touched him that were taken to the sick. In other words, he could pray over a handkerchief, take it to, they place it on the sick person, and they would get well. That's pretty incredible, right? And others, if his shadow, um, if his shadow even went, yeah, aprons that had touched, I thought, there's another place I thought one even his shadow. And 
Their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So just an incredible time of miracles that take place. So in other words, that's flowing from the spirit-filled ministry, right? Okay, because we can't do those things on our own. Verse 13, then some of the Jews saw this and they heard about this. So some of the Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those that were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, chief priest, were doing this. His sons were. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but what about you? But who are you? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, it's not going to go good from here. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. They gave them such a beating that they all ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they had calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to about 50,000 drachmas. So drachma was a day's wage, so was a denarius. A day's wage, okay? So I don't know what an average wage is today, but if you're to take the even number of 100, okay, do the math. Help me out. What does that equal? 50,000 times 100 is? Nope. 5 million. 5 million. Is that a lot of money? Yeah, it is. They burned that up in one day. They just burned up their scrolls. So... The magnitude of the revival that was taking place in Ephesus cannot be understated. That they came, there was such a presence of God over that community that they voluntarily brought their things, their sorcery scrolls, burned them in the street, and gave glory to God. And it came because, not only because of the miracles that have been taking place, but also because of these ski, seven sons of Sceva, how it backfired on them. And they go, you know what? There is something to this. It is more than just saying, hey, in the name of Jesus, do this. There has to be a relationship with God. What does it take to transform a city and a community? The third, third thing, it takes believers with an authentic relationship with Jesus. A believer with an authentic relationship with Jesus. What do I mean by that? It can't be n- name only. You can't just say, hey, yeah, I got the label. I'm a Christian, right? I'm on the membership role at such and such a church. I'm good. I'm going to go to heaven, I think. All right? That doesn't cut it because you're going to get in a situation and you're going to minister and pray. And if you don't have an authentic Jesus, authentic relationship with Jesus, it's going to be, it's going to, the shallowness of that relationship will be made evident. Just as these seven sons of Sceva, I don't think they were bad people, right? They, they had been brought up in the Jewish faith. Um, I don't think they were bad people. They were trying to cast out a demon, they, but they thought they could do it because they just recited the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's not going to cut it. What's going to cut it is if you are filled with the Holy Spirit and Jesus is living within in you and you're walking with him on a day-to-day basis and the same power that lived within him, Sherry read that, now dwells within you. Then you can go out and you can pray for the sick or those that are troubled by evil spirits um, and we can see the hand of God move. Amen?
The power of God was so strong in that community that they voluntarily did all those things. It's an incredible thing. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. He prays for the Ephesians and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you through the power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I just want you to catch this authentic, what it means to have Christ in your life, that he may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that by, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And maybe you need to know that this morning, that God's love is not shallow, it is deep. It can reach from the deepest steps to save somebody. It's wide, right? People from all race, whatever, are part of God's family. And it's steadfast, it's long, and it's high. It's lavish. Verse 19, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. God just doesn't want you to have the label on your forehead on the surface. He wants to be in you, saturated you, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. That when a is it you that posts that? If a mosquito bites you, he goes away. There's power in the blood. Yeah. A little corny, but yes. Verse 20, I want you to catch this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Say that word again. Immeasurably. Say it one more time. That's a lot, isn't it? Now to him is do, who, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I think often our prayers are far too small. We ask prayers that we think God can answer instead of prayers that are in faith, in line with faith, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Ephesians is a, is a great book, but it really talks about, Paul really communicates to them. He wanted them to know all the power that was available to them. And he wanted them to step into that. It's, it's like they had this great arsenal, but they're walking around and trying to take on the devil and everything with this squirt gun, right? When they had this great arsenal, the power of God going through their life. And I, and I think there's times that Satan comes and he, he, whether he tempts us or whether he sends an obstacle in our path and we just go running to our corner. And I'm not talking down on my, anybody because I've been there myself, okay? But we, we tuck our tail in our run instead of, instead of standing firm in the power that God has given us. And there's times we look at the mission field and what God has called us to do and we see an Ephesus that is so heathen and it doesn't even want our message. And we say, man, there's no way that we can make a difference, that lives can be changed and transformed. But we're looking through our eyes, our human eyes, instead of the eyes of faith and what God wants to do. Amen? And have the musicians come. What does it take to see a city or community touched and transformed by the power of God? It takes believers that are filled with the Spirit. It takes marketplace evangelism. It takes believers with an authentic relationship with Jesus. And I don't know if one of those kind of hits you this morning. Um, even Paul, I think it's in Ephesians. 
he ends that chapter by saying, and pray for me that I may boldly proclaim the message as I should. So Paul is this great communicator, and we know that he spoke the word of God boldly as he went from community to community, but he still wrestled. That next day, that next week, God, give me the strength by your spirit to still communicate boldly the hope that is within me to the world around me, to those that don't know. You know, and as we look forward to Discovery Clubs and youth starting this week, and um, it's a mission field, I, I think, um, especially for the families that don't attend the church, and we've seen many families come in through that. We need to keep that in prayer. Uh, we're looking at a friend day at the end of September. We'll get you a firm date on that. Uh, but that's an opportunity for you to invite your family, friends, neighbors uh, to a, a church service here. You can do that any Sunday, just so you know that. But uh, we put a little more effort into that one. You know, and there's, we even have Pumpkin Festival coming up in October. And I think we're just kind of looking at that. But that's been a great opportunity for us, for us just to be out in our community in the marketplace, connecting with people. Um, we've had some good conversations with people there. Um, and so as we look at you and I in the last few minutes that we have together engaging the world around us, you know, there's so many ways that we can minister to people at a restaurant, at a business, at a school on Main Street. God has placed his hope within each of you, I hope. We're going to pray that prayer if you don't have that hope. And he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think through his mighty power. And that means not just Pastor Brent, that means you. That means you, Terry. It means you, Devin. It means you, Mary Beth. Yes. It means you, Olivia, Sierra. It means you, Janet, Phyllis, Jason, Christy, and Jessica, and Joan, Gary, Chris, Roger, Bob, Jerry, and you too, Barb. <laughs> he is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. You know, he can transform, if he can transform Ephesus, he can transform a Crete, a friend, Wilbur, Seward, Lincoln, Sprague, Claytonia, Martell, Hallam. Did I leave any cities out that we have people in? Um, he's able to touch those, amen? Praise God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Would you stand? Father, if we don't have the hope within us this morning, you said in your word, that by faith, if we confess our sins to you, Lord God, and that if we confess you as our Lord and our Savior, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that you are Lord, we will be saved. End of story. We can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have the hope of heaven and that we have you within our heart and our life. So if that is us this morning, if we make that prayer our own this morning, Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Be my Lord, my Savior. You will do it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm just going to, if that was you this morning, just look at me. If you prayed that prayer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Any others? Praise God. Amen. 
And Lord, this morning, we're your people. We are the church. It's not this building. We are the church. And I'm just going to ask if, if you just say, hey, I, want, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I know that I, I need more boldness. I need more of the presence of the God in my life. Would you just raise your hand? We don't need to be looking around, but would you just raise your hand and say, hey, by faith, I'm saying, I, I just need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need more of God's presence in my life. Amen. Raise that hand to him this morning. I am, because I fall in that category as well. Amen. Father, this morning, we just come before you. We're your people. We've been redeemed by you, Lord, and you've given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, you, you gave us a great task to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we can only do that as if we are filled with your Spirit. And you said, I'm not going to leave you helpless, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside us to help us, to empower us, to know what to say, the confidence and boldness to say it and to minister to other people in the world around us. And Lord God, I pray, come and fill your people with your Spirit. Release within us the gift of your Spirit and your power. Lord God, there's, I think there's so many times we're running around with a squirt gun, and Lord, you want to give us this, this heavy-duty arsenal. It's there. God, you need to release it within us. Hallelujah. Come and just God. Praise God. Lord, I, I sense your presence here, Lord God. And Lord, the sky's the limit as to what you can do in a community, Lord God. Um, I thank you for what you've done through our church and in our community over the years. And Lord God, you've done some great things, but there's still so much that needs to be done. And Lord God, give us new vision. Uh, give us that same, a greater passion just for the world around us. Um, for the people that just don't have that hope of Christ in their heart and their life. Grant us favor with men. Grant us this spirit of power through your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, go with us this week. Stir within us, fan into flame the gift of God within us. Paul's words to Timothy. I know a lot of us have that, we're a Timothy. We're, we're not a Paul, but we're a Timothy. And it doesn't mean that the gift of God's not there. We just need the Holy Spirit just to blow upon it and just for that to come to life within us, Lord. So fan into flame the gift of God within many of us, Lord we can be the people you've called us to be. We give you the thanks, the praise we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless this morning. Greet each other as you leave.